Hello, this is Patrick Kaling, Sheriff of Hampshire County. If you're a college student interested in learning about the field of criminal justice, the Hampshire Sheriff's Office would like to talk to you about our summer intern program. Your internship will matter, not just to the clients we serve, but also to the people of Hampshire County who rely on us to protect public health and safety. Interested in making a difference? Please visit our website, HampshireSheriffs.com, and submit an application online or call 413-584-5911 and ask for our HR department. This show may contain subject matters not suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. The views expressed by guests of this show do not necessarily reflect those of WHMP. Let us think of education as the means of developing our greatest abilities, because in each of us there is a private hope and dream which, fulfilled, can be translated into benefit for everyone and greater strength of the nation. John F. Kennedy I'm Lisa Riley. We're here each week to share stories that shine a light on justice-involved individuals or just underdogs in the game of life, their struggles, their successes, and the many resources and opportunities available for those who are hustling to carve a new path and prove that failure isn't final. So unlock your future, rewrite your story. This is The Hustler Files. Welcome, everyone, to this week's The Hustler Files. Today's conversation may be a debatable one, but the outcomes speak for themselves. College in prison is not universally embraced, and an immediate challenge is one of perception. Some wonder, is access to free education really something that this population deserves? But what is known is that education can help break the cycle of incarceration. According to the Ford Foundation, Many point out that the overall U.S. prison system still doesn't address the deep systemic issues that lead to criminal behavior, issues like poverty, lack of opportunity, and racial discrimination, and that our system is not truly rehabilitative. Incarceration has a profound impact on entire families in ways that go beyond the specific period of incarceration. Children of people who have gone to prison are much more likely to go to prison than children of people who haven't. What is known is that education helps break the cycle, connecting incarcerated students with the kinds of opportunities and insights that enable them to help themselves and their families. What is also known is that only 2% of prison college graduates recidivate compared to 65% who don't. And on that note, I want to welcome this week's very special guest, Arthur Bembury, Executive Director of Partakers.org, a Massachusetts organization who for 25 years has collaborated with local top-tier colleges to provide degree-granting programs to prisoners living behind the wall. Arthur, welcome to this week's The Hustler Files. It's a pleasure to meet you, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak to you about our program and the impact that we make. Well, I'm excited. Tell me a little bit and our audience about Partakers. I had never heard of you till I was recently introduced to you from the Sheriff's Department in Hampshire County. Yes, Partakers is an organization that has been around for 25 years. It was founded by a social worker that worked within the prison system who was disenchanted with the educational opportunities that were available for people on the inside. Uh, with that said, 
we collaborated with universities at that time that were providing educational opportunities inside of the prisons in Massachusetts. Going forward, uh, we started adding from the community mentors to the uh, program to be matched with each individual that was enrolled in a college program. So fast forward to where we are today, uh, we're involved with uh, four different universities, 400 volunteer mentors that come in from the outside uh, community that are matched with students that are enrolled on, in programs on the inside. And uh, we have just an amazing network of folks that are available to uh, help us help people reach a higher potential. I was fascinated by the fact that these are actually degree-granting programs, correct? Absolutely. It's an, a degree in interdisciplinary studies And the three colleges uh, that offer those types of degrees right now behind the walls are Emerson, Tufts University, and Boston College. Boston University initially uh, offered that opportunity, but recently they have um, turned back to a certificate program. Okay, so they're still going into prisons, but just offering a liberal arts interdisciplinary certificate versus a four-year degree. Boston University is finishing up the folks that were originally involved, enrolled in the um, interdisciplinary degree program, and now they have started a certificate program. Oh, I see. Okay. And these programs for degrees are only currently through your organization available in Massachusetts? As far as I know. Okay. And we're talking three or four different state prisons um, that you have mentioned previously when you and I spoke offline, Norfolk County or Norfolk Correctional, Shirley, Concord, and Framingham. Exactly. And Northeastern Correctional Center, which is a uh, free release center where people are allowed to also continue taking educational courses. So the program started in, I think it was 2000 is on your website when these first College Behind Bars started. How do inmates get signed up with once they're behind the wall to become a degree candidate to be able to start the process of actually getting into a degree program? The colleges advertise at each of the prisons. They advertise that they are accepting new students into the program. So the students are aware of that. The potential students are aware of that. And at each prison, where they see that opportunity enrolled, they will apply for admission into the college. Obviously, space is initial um, so that they can only take off about maybe 25 students per semester per college. So, for instance, Emerson College will advertise that they're accepting students, and they'll say, you know, we can only take 25 students. They will probably get more than 100 applications at the prison for that particular uh, college, and then they have an interview, and uh, after they have an interview, they vet the particular applicants, and then they chose those that are being accepted into the program. They can't accept everybody. So each particular college usually holds a class of about 25 folks. Let's just use the Norfolk Correctional Facility as an example. So Tufts and Emerson and Boston College would all be coming on location, each with a class of 25 inmates being taught by an actual professor from Tufts and Emerson and Boston College within that correctional facility, correct? Exactly. The way that it works is that the professor actually comes into the prison and teaches the course there. So Emerson has 
a, if you will, a college, a camp on the on the uh, on the grounds of the prison. Boston University has a college on the grounds of the university. Professors from Boston University go to that particular prison and teach that class. And it might be in the morning, it might be in the afternoon, or it might be in the evening. And it's throughout the week that uh, the uh, opportunities exist for people to take classes. And how long does it take for an inmate, let's say they're signed up for the four-year program and their sentence is six years, do they complete, in most cases, their degree within that typical, traditional four-year program? Or does it take them longer because of the incarceration? Well, it takes them longer, but not because of the incarceration. It takes them longer because of the courses that are offered and not allowed to offer as many as you can on the outside. So some of them are redundant. So an individual on the inside might not see the opportunity to take uh, a certain class and you might have to wait until it comes around electors or things like that. So I would say it takes six years to complete what normally would be four years on the outside. Interesting. And then you mentioned to me offline when we met recently that there are some instances where inmates don't even get to finish the degree program because they end up released before the program is complete, correct? Exactly. So in many instances, you have people that are serving terms of where they enter the college degree program while they're waiting to get an answer to a parole decision or something like that. In that particular case, the individual is released with credits from the particular uh, college that he was, uh, he or she was enrolled in at the time while they were incarcerated, and those credits are transferable to the outside. And in some cases, they continue going to school in the same with the same college that they were inside, uh, were enrolled in inside. And in other instances, they may transfer because of their location geographically where they live to another institution, and those trans those credits are also transferable. The schools are covering the cost of this education for these incarcerated individuals. This is not government funding. This is all private or private funding. This is strictly that the colleges have allocated some of their monies to create an educational program inside prison walls. Exactly. Each institution, each college comes to the table with their own funding and their own budget. Uh, so they pay for the books, tuitions, fees, as well as the the salaries of the uh, adjunct professors that are teaching the courses. Now, you mentioned mentoring, and I don't want to take away from our second half of our conversation, which is going to be about your new reentry program, PEP. But on the mentoring side, you mentioned you have 400 volunteer mentors. Are those mentors working in tandem with the professors that are coming into the school, or do they hold another role? They hold another role. They're not connected that way. Uh, In the beginning, when the program first started, community mentors, volunteer mentors, were solicited to go inside and to be matched with a student that was inside going to college in a degree-granting program. Um, The thought process behind this was that most people on the inside, this would have been their first experience with college. So to give them some assistance, to give them um, a soundboard, um, and somebody to communicate with while they're helping them to navigate this educational journey, which is new on the inside, uh, the thought process was that this would be a great thing to augment the program with. With that said, there are some other things that come out of having a mentoring component attached to a, an educational component on the inside. It establishes relationship-building skills. 
it fosters accountability. And also, the most important thing that I've noticed is that you have a group of folks on the outside that are willing to come into the prison and mentor an individual on an unbiased basis, somebody that is interested and invested in your well-being, that doesn't have an opinion of who you are or why you're there. I think that comes under the the, um, title of dignity. (laughs) So they afford a certain sense of dignity when they uh, come to the prisons and are matched with an individual. I think that's wonderful, and I love how you frame that. So don't go anywhere, Arthur. Um, We need to take a quick break. When we come back, I'd like to chat with you some more about this new Partakers Empowerment Program, PEP, and your collaboration with Brandeis University and the Hampshire Sheriff's Department. So can you stick around for a few minutes? It's been my pleasure. All right. So listeners, grab a cup of coffee. We'll be right back with more of this week's The Hustler Files. Employment, housing, identifying documents, addiction treatment, education, veteran services, and legal advocacy. They're all part of what we offer at the all-inclusive Support Services Center of the Hamden County Sheriff's Office. We provide services to justice-involved individuals as well as the general public with the goal of improving community safety and the quality of life across Western Massachusetts. Don't let life's challenges lock you up. Be a step ahead. For a hand up, stop by 736 State Street in Springfield or visit us at hcsdma.org. Hello, this is Patrick Haleen, the Sheriff of Hampshire County. If you're looking for a career helping people, the Hampshire Sheriff's Office is hiring in many of our departments. We take great pride in our commitment to returning the men in our care to their communities in better health than when they arrived. Your work will matter, not just to the clients we serve, but also to the people of Hampshire County who rely on us to protect public health and safety. If you're interested in making a difference, please visit the Mass Careers website for more information. Welcome back to this week's The Hustler Files. We're here speaking with Arthur Bembury, Executive Director of Partakers, a college behind bars nonprofit organization located in Massachusetts. So, Arthur, once again, thank you so much for joining us this week. I love your organization. You've been doing this, you said, for 20 years? Yeah, absolutely. I started off as a uh, incarcerated person on the inside, and I was enrolled in the VU Prison Education Program uh, 20 years ago when I came home. Uh, I was offered a position with the organization, and having been mentored by the founder of the organization, I thought it was appropriate for me to come full circle and start working with the organization. And uh, fast forward to where we are today, and it's just an amazing opportunity to be able to give back and to be able to grow an organization that fulfills the need of so many people that are trying to come home and reestablish their lives. And you are so well-spoken, and I love how you frame this conversation. So I, something I want to start with is I looked up the word partake, because I'm always curious about different definitions of words. And interestingly, the word partake is sometimes confused with the word participate. But in reality, partake actually means to consume. And I thought that was really fascinating because what the programs that you're offering, whether it be the degree granting program or now this PEP program that we're going to talk about, it really is about these incarcerated individuals or individuals getting ready to reenter society that they are, they, they've been behind bars for so long that they're literally um, absorbing and consuming all of this education. Yes, absolutely. It's something that when you're 
first incarcerated, the system tends to strip you of everything. So you don't have the uh, self-esteem or you don't have the skills or the opportunity to, to really become a better person. And um, with this particular program, and also I want to give credit to the colleges and the educational department with the Department of Corrections that are allowing this particular process to go forward. It really gives somebody the opportunity to, to stop and look at what is available for them when they come home, which is such an important challenge for people that have been incarcerated. So that's a great segue into this Partakers Empowerment Program, PEP, that uh, has recently, I'm going to say, what, a, a year or so, you've been uh, partnered with Brandeis Educational Justice Initiative? Yes, absolutely. Um, in the beginning, we were doing great because it was our program was designed to be an in-prison program, but there was always this void that needed to be filled when people were coming home. We never had the bandwidth to really address it, but it was like the white elephant that was in the room. Like, okay, I have a college education. Now what do I do that I'm home? Thank you for helping me while we were on the inside, but what can you do for me now that I'm on the outside? And that question had always... Um, uh, been one that we've explored and tried to address. With the pandemic, it gave us an opportunity to really sit back and look at a way of, of dealing with, with the uh, issues and challenges for folks that were coming home. So in a way, we had the opportunity to create lemonade out of lemon because the Department of Corrections, they would release some folks early to ease overcrowding in the prison and obviously to help stem the spread of the pandemic inside of the institutions. These folks were coming home without any access to um, resources, housing, uh, education, civic re-engagement or anything like that. So we thought that this would be a great opportunity for us to design a program that would fit that population. And this is a 12-week program. These are 90-minute workshops, one day per week. And the topics range from Zoom etiquette to workshops on technology, hardware, software, TurboTax, financial literacy. I'm just reading through the list here. Uh, civic reengagement workshops, jury duty, um, health and wellness, professionalism. I mean, there's a lot. I have three pages of categories that this PEP program covers in 12 weeks. That's a lot of information. There is there is a lot of information attached to the workshops. So we also have what's known as office hours, Brandeis University, the Brandeis Educational Justice Initiative, which helps sponsor this reentry initiative. They offer office hours or hours outside of the workshop for students that wish to become more engaged in any particular topic. And by the way, the topics that you mentioned were chosen because they were all fields of interest that are able to help people overcome the challenges of reentry. Civic reengagement. Do you know how to vote? Do you have your driver's license? Do you have a social security card? Uh, that's one of the main things that people are still struggling with, even two years after they've been home. Um, a wellness program, a wellness workshop. Do you have a primary care physician? Do you have a health plan? Do you know what a proper health plan is? So those are some of the things that, do you have a dentist? Do you have a dental plan? These are some of the things that we felt were important and that we listened to the population that was coming home that they felt more important to them in overcoming 
the uh, challenges coming home. Formerly incarcerated can be in their reentry program in, let's say, the last six months before they leave their incarceration. But you also offer this to formerly incarcerated who have been out for up to 36 months? Yes, yes. Our guidelines are usually based on a recidivism rate statistics that are, are um, produced by various agencies across the uh, country, Bureau of Justice and other organizations that do studies, the Hugh Foundation, the Rare Institute, they all do studies on recidivism rates and they have found out that 36 months is the key amount of time. That's the time when folks recidivate mostly if they have not have access to resources. So we are able to kind of focus on that area. We will make exceptions, but folks that have been impacted by incarceration that have been home within the last 36 months and still need help, those are kind of like where that's our niche. That's what we can and focus on. With that said, we have also accepted people that have been out longer and are still struggling. And you provide laptops. The program, the PEP program provides laptops. Is that on the outside or only if they're in the reentry program still at the local jail? At some of the local uh, facilities in Hampshire County, they're allowed to have their laptops while they're at the, um, it's called a reentry facility. And everybody on the outside when they're home that is enrolled in our reentry program gets a laptop outfitted with all of the software necessary for the classes, Microsoft Office Suites, Excel, Word, PowerPoint. And we also have an opportunity to give them a, a housing stipend or, if you will, a, a welcome home package when they come home that down allows them to, to spend funds on things that they need to help them get started again. We also have resources that are connected to housing organizations to help them get housing vouchers and furniture for the housing. So those are some of the organizations that we work on to help um, make sure that they get the resources that are needed. It's not just all about the 12-week program. Once you're in that program, we have a referral system to uh, even organizations that can help you get a car once you get your driver's license. Wow, that's amazing. Um, you really run very deep with all of the resources and opportunities that you provide. And it's interesting because you're based in Massachusetts. You're only working with the Massachusetts prison and sheriff's departments and with these very specific amount of local universities. And it would be great if someday you could figure out how to scale this to a more national program, because I think there's a lot of other states that could use your experience and the successes that you've found over the last 20 years as you have created these programs. I think it's important. Scalability is something that is often on the front burner um, at our board meetings and our conversations. It's such a great opportunity to be able to take this in turn it into a portable program where you can outsource it to other states and uh, other areas that um, definitely have a need for a program like this. I think one of the most important things is to be able to make sure that there's a funding base available for that and that you have the volunteer community that's committed and able to step up to the plate and provide the uh, support for the programs that is needed. So I have to ask you a question that I ask all of my guests at the end, and you can just give me a short-form answer, if you will, because we are running out of time, sadly. What do you think your life assignment has been over these last 20 years, or do you think you're still in the throes of it? That's an interesting question. I would have said that I would not have thought 
uh, 20 years ago that I would be where I am now. But I, after having been so attached to this work, um, I can see the humanity in, in the need for it so that I would probably say that going forward, it will always be a goal of mine to be able to work within a community to change the narrative around people that are impacted by incarceration. When I say change the narrative, I mean systemically policies within institutions, um, within universities, and within the community uh, surrounding people that have been impacted by incarceration. I'd like to give a big shout out to Brandeis University and the Brandeis Educational Justice Initiative for having the courage to come forward and help with this initiative at a time when it was not an easy sell. There was nothing great about doing this um, from the outlook for getting resources and funds for it. So uh, I'd like to give a big shout out to them. And I would say that overall, the working hard to make sure that people in the community and government and in institutions understand that giving people a second chance is so important in life and people are not defined by the worst moment in their lives. I couldn't agree more. And so anyone who's been listening and would like to learn more about Arthur and the Partakers program, you can visit partakers.org. It's P-A-R-T-A-K-E-R-S.org. And there's information on there to reach out to Arthur directly, whether you want to volunteer or become a sponsor um, of their organization or volunteer as a mentor or donate. I'm sure Arthur would be grateful for any outreach that you might be interested in. And Arthur, I have to thank you for stopping by to share and enlighten all of us on this educational mission that Partakers has been doing for 25 years. And I also know that I heard through the grapevine that you're working on an exciting new fundraising event for 2024, but I'm not going to share that yet. So we'll definitely circle back with you so we can learn more about that later this year. Is that okay? I certainly hope so. And thanks so much for giving me an opportunity to share with folks in your audience and your community about our program and the difference we're making. All right. We'll touch base again soon. Right now, we've got to take another short break, and then we'll be back to wrap up this week with The Hustler Files. So sit tight. More to come. The Hamden County Sheriff's Office is not your average law enforcement agency. Our correctional staff provide a firm but fair approach to corrections as we change countless lives for the better. In the community, Sheriff Nick Cochise's never-say-no philosophy has evolved the field of community policing, bridging the divide between residents and the unmet needs in our neighborhoods. If you want to help make the world a better place while earning a good salary with great health insurance, paid time off, and a pension, please visit hcsdma.org and click join. Join the team to apply today. We are back, and as we do each week, today's words of wisdom come from renowned author Victor Hugo. He who opens a school door closes a prison, and when a person opens a book, he can never be in prison. And that's a wrap for this week. It is my hope that the stories we share each week release limiting beliefs, create impactful conversations, and activate change. A huge weekly thank you to our producer, Leah, and of course, our guests and advertisers for their support. You can find this show and all of our shows on the WHMP.com podcast page and also on any of your favorite podcast sites. If you'd like to reach out to me with any questions or comments, you can email me at lisa at whmp.com. Have a wonderful week ahead. And remember, 
Don't be ashamed of your story. It will inspire others. See you next week right here on The Hustler Files. (laughs) 